I turn your attention today to Matthew 27. If you're our guest, we are preaching through the whole. Um, uh, we're preaching through the whole Gospel of Matthew. Um, by the way, Michael, those of you inside, we are hearing a lot of uh, wind noise, for, probably from the two microphones. That might be mine, but if that can be adjusted, that would be good. Matthew 27, 27 through 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As I read this story to you, I want to tell you that things are not always what they seem. What I mean by this is that sometimes what the eye sees at first does not actually tell the whole story. If you look on the back side of your sermon outline, you'll see a picture. And uh, on the, on the right-hand side of that picture, what do you see? Some of you see a rabbit, and some of you see a duck. Which do you see? If you see a, a duck, then those two long protruding things, that is the beak of the duck. If you see a rabbit, well, those long protruding things, those are the ears of the rabbit, and they both have that center eye. So whether it's a rabbit or a duck, they share the eye. Which do you see? If at first you saw the rabbit, um, congratulations. Um, if you first saw the duck, congratulations. But if you were able to see them both, you have experienced what psychologists call the gestalt switch. That is to say, you saw it one way, but then as you got another perspective, you saw it differently. And so um, the point is that things are not always what they seem at first glance. And today, as we consider the passage before us, I want you to be able to make the gestalt switch and to have clearly biblical perspective, two biblical perspectives, as it were, on the events before us. For we see we see that um, truly the display of evil is despicable and the suffering of Jesus is terrible and the denial of who he is is awful. And yet, and yet, if we take the whole Bible into account, we see that although Jesus has agreed to be humiliated and to come as the humble king who will suffer terribly, we also know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we need the biblical gestalt switch, the insight into what is going on at a deeper level in this event on this day. Point number one, we simply watch as the suffering of Jesus now accelerates and intensifies. And on the surface, it appears that there is simply 
uh, a cruel gang of bullies torturing a helpless and innocent person. And what we see displayed is this, is this sadistic cruelty of wicked men. I use the word bullying. Bullying is a polite way of speaking of cruelty. Our, our government has a website, stopbullying.com. Actually, it's a pretty interesting website. Um, and they, they articulate there's three types of bullying. There's verbal bullying. You know what that is, where you're s saying mean things, cruel things, untrue things about another person. And then there's social bullying. And that is uh, described as those who seek to hurt or destroy people's reputations or to ruin their relationships. That would be social bullying. And finally, of course, there's physical bullying. That simply involves the cruelty of hurting another person physically or, or their property or possessions. And I point that out because if um, the government's description of that kind of cruelty is accurate, then as we have read the Gospel of Matthew, we have seen all three happen to Jesus, haven't we? We have seen the Pharisees and the Sadducees speak uh, evil of him, trying to trip him up with their questions, wanting to embarrass him and slandering his name. And then we've seen the social cruelty as, as they have followed along with Jesus and they've tried to discourage people from following him, tried to ruin his relationships and embarrass his followers. But you know, up until this moment, they have always been careful not to engage in physical harm to Jesus. And yet, now, on the night that he was arrested and then bound and then taken to the home of Caiaphas where he was blindfolded and spit upon and struck and then sent to Pontius Pilate, where now in our text Jesus is handed over to the soldiers where again he is spit upon and mocked and struck and pressed with a crown of thorns. What do we see? Verse 28. They humiliate him by stripping him naked. And that is a humiliation of him. And then they take some old robe and throw it over him. And they, they give him a reed like a scepter in verse 28. And they get down on their knees, this cohort of Roman soldiers, and they mock him. Say, Hail, King of the Jews. What do you see? You know, in Isaiah 50, verse 6, there's this messianic prophecy that looks forward to the servant of the Lord. And he says, I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pull out the beard, I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Does it sound like this has been fulfilled in, on this day in the life of Jesus? A humiliated, broken, tortured, suffering man, helpless and out of control, abject evil triumphing over him. But... Is that all that God intends you to see 
Is there a different perspective that you should have to contemplate this ugly passage? Well, this leads to point number two, because things are not always what they seem. And what the Bible tells us is that Jesus undergoes this brutal and humiliating treatment in order to save you. It happens actually with a purpose. For Jesus Christ, the way up is first down, you see. The path of greatness is to serve. And as Jesus taught us, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, is there a gestalt switch here? Look, I just want to say, we don't want to commit that terrible heresy of the first century where there were people who said, well, he was God, he was Jesus, so it must not have really hurt. You know, the whole book of 1 John was written to stop that heresy. We must affirm that Jesus was fully man, came in the flesh, and the pain that he suffered, he really did suffer. And that which he endured was cruel, unusual, was terrible, was not an illusion. And yet, and yet, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that the evil that was perpetrated by these men against Jesus also fulfilled prophecy. It spoke of the wicked human heart that would reject the Lord. And it is now fulfilled before us, uh, ironically foreshadowing his very kingship that we will see soon. Oh, my friends, Jesus came lowly in heart. Jesus came as a suffering servant. But he knew, and he told his disciples, he told us many times through the Gospel of Matthew, that the Son of Man would be crucified, and yet he said four times, on the third day, he will rise again from the dead. Jesus knew this was not his final destiny. And so we have been told, and so he told his disciples many times. Even as they, they mock him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, they did not know what they were saying. For he is to be revealed as the King of the Jews. Oh, my friends, in Matthew 28, Verse 28, we read, Jesus says, Look, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Some of our kids have seen the movie Aladdin. I was on a plane the other day, I saw a trailer for the movie Aladdin, and there's this fantastic Hollywood scene where Will Smith plays the genie, and, uh, and he's introducing Prince Ali, who's coming to greet his loyal subjects. And uh, Will Smith sings out. Uh, uh, there's acrobats and dancers. There's soldiers. They're throwing out gold coins. And the mighty elephant bearing Prince Ali comes in. And the genie sings, make way. Here he comes. Ring the bells and bang the drums. Genuflect. Show some respect. Get down on one knee. And we think, yeah, that, that's how a king is supposed to come. But that's not how the king came. He came humble, lowly, 
And as Psalm 53 said, despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. And it says in the last line, he was led away to be crucified. But you see, even that, even that, my friends, betrays, uh, uh, even with that, we need the gestalt shift. For we know that in the crucifixion, something happens. What happens? Yes, he bears our griefs, Isaiah 53. He carries our sorrows. He is smitten by God. He is afflicted. He's pierced for our transgressions. So there is a purpose to it. And his chastisement brings us peace. But you know what? We often forget verses 10 and 11 in Isaiah 53. You'll see them right after the three little dots there under point two. Yet, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, then what? Then what? He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And out of the anguish of his soul, yes, yes, the suffering, the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And you who are saved, Jesus came to make you righteous in the eyes of God by the shedding of his blood and paying for your sins, to make those who were sinners clean before the Father. Do you see it? He is stripped naked so that you can be clothed in his righteousness. He is shamed. He bears shame. Have you ever been spit on? Have you ever been mocked publicly? He is shamed so that anyone who is lowly, anyone who is poor, anyone who is mocked, forgotten, or hated can know I have a Savior who can identify with me and be welcome. You know, when they put those thorns on his head, some of you know in Genesis chapter 3, when the curse is, 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 is spoken upon the earth after the, the wickedness of Adam and Eve, thorns emerge in the curse. And now here, thorns are pressed upon the Savior who is cursed for you and for me. And he's led away to be crucified where the great exchange takes place. Your sin falls upon him. My sin counted against him. His righteousness given to you. All of his grace. And my last point, as the soldiers kneel and mock and bow and pretend praise, we know that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, friends, there were 600 soldiers there. 600 soldiers. But that was nothing compared to the 70,000 angels that were poised in heaven, just waiting for Jesus to call them down. He did not, but they were there. The God of angel armies was watching this happen. Remember that passage in Isaiah 50 where he says, I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting? 
Well, that's not the end of the passage. It goes on in verse 7. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? See, who will declare Jesus guilty? No one will declare Jesus guilty. Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. And after three days, Jesus will rise in glory. In less than a month, he will ascend to the right hand of the Father and be crowned in glory and honor. Oh, they mock him saying, Hail, King. They did not know what they were saying. So what about you? Will you bow the knee? Prince Ali is nothing compared to the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Gestalt switch is portrayed so clearly in Philippians 2, 8 through 11. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you see it? Do you see it? It's like the rabbit. Do you see it? Now the next verse. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 